0: Sunday, November 18, 2018. Welcome back to the Ion College Basketball Podcast. I got Matt Norlander here with me, and I—I I will speak with him momentarily. But first, let me tell you about SeatGeek. Buying tickets online—it can be complicated, but it doesn't have to be complicated. Not with SeatGeek, and that's because SeatGeek searches multiple ticket sites for you. That way, you know you get the best prices, best seats, best value. Always, you just type in what you're looking for into the search bar, and then, honestly, two clicks later, you're buying tickets. It couldn't. Not be easier. For instance, let's say you wanted to go to the Maui Invitational. Yes, tickets are available via SeatGeek. So all you have to do is open that SeatGeek app, type Maui Invitational in the search bar, and your options pop up. Now these tickets aren't cheap because Zion's here and because the building is small, but you can get them via SeatGeek, and that's because you can get basically anything via SeatGeek. So next time you need tickets to anything—basketball games, football games, concerts, Broadway shows, whatever—just open that SeatGeek app on your phone and get after it. And don't forget to use the promo code CollegeBB. That's promo coach College BB to get twenty bucks off your first SeatGeek purchase at SeatGeek. Millions of tickets in one place. Like I said, Matt Norlander is here with me. He's at home in Connecticut. Probably freezing. I'm in Hawaii for the Maui Invitational. Definitely not freezing. Had breakfast overlooking the Pacific this morning on a patio. It was seventy five degrees. Aloha, Norlander. Aloha from five time zones to your left.
1: To my left indeed. Two quick things here as we get rolling on this podcast. Let's do an extended SeatGeek thing. One, I love how you tailored that to the Hawaii-based listenership of the Ion College Basketball Podcast, because if you live stateside, you're not you're not going to be able to swing the Maui ticket purchase and getting over there in time for the games. So shouts to our Hawaiian-based listeners. We actually want to hear from you on Twitter after you listen to this. Uh, big time ups there. And how about this, Parish? Saturday. Syracuse plays at Notre Dame in football. I get a text message from a friend. Hey Norlander, you by chance got any extra e-tickets for me? You run into this as I do, just because I write sports for a living does not mean I have access to tickets, particularly outside of actual college basketball. What do I do? Send my friend to SeatGeek. Download the app. Promo code CollegeBB. Granted, the ticket was the tickets were expensive. Got in about 20 minutes to spare before kickoff, and uh, so there we go. So real life, we're putting it into action. There we go, shouts to Geek. shouts to you in Hawaii, and yeah, you have landed there. And I just, as before we get into the uh, the doings of the weekend here, and there's a lot to get to, and then obviously we're going to preview what's going to be very quite possibly the greatest Maui field we've ever had, and hopefully the tournament lives up to that pair. So I just want to get a little bit of uh, of you setting the scene out there and, uh, you know, where you're staying, what it's like, have you uh, have you seen any of the, the, the teams, coaches, media members, how's it been since you landed, and I think you've been there almost 24 hours as of us recording this? Not quite, well, like, I had bad layovers,
0: I had a two hour layover at LAX, which was, um, you know, you don't want a two hour layover anywhere, but I got dealt the Sky Club access and... Olivia Wilde and Jason we were also in the Delta Sky Club so that was kind of cool. I had to, I got breakfast with them, not with
1: them. They were just sort of like <laughs> Hold on. I was going to say, yeah. hold on. Did you did you say hello to them or did, or were they just simply near your person?
0: They were simply near me. Um they were with their children. I I think uh, I'm never the I'm rarely, I shouldn't say never. I'm I'm rarely the type to bother a celebrity. Like in New York last season, just like randomly walking down 57th, I bumped into Dave Chappelle. And I just hit him with the what's up and he hit me with the what's up and that's it. Um, like I, I, you, you, I bumped into relatively faint. I had the, I bumped into the entire female portion of the office cast once in LA. And I didn't say a word, even though like I was the biggest office fan, I I'm real hesitant to bother people. And so I would never bother them. They were with their kids. They were like, yeah, I know what it's like to be uh, with two small children uh, in an airport. It could be, it's stressful enough. You don't need strangers bothering you. Yep. So I did not bother them, but um. But I did notice them. I'm a, big, I'm a big Olivia Wilde fan. I think, like, who isn't a big Olivia Wilde fan?
1: Yeah, no, I, I, I'm, I'm with you. Keep going. No, so I, um,
0: I had a a, a, a big layover, uh, not a big layover, two-hour layover in LAX. And then I don't know what I was thinking when I booked this. Perhaps there were no options, other good options. I, I can't remember. But, like, I had a five-hour layover in Honolulu. So I got <sighs> to Honolulu and then, like, had five hours in the Delta Sky Club. So I watched the Memphis Yale game on my phone and ate teriyaki chicken. And I didn't get to Maui until like nine o'clock local time. Didn't get to my hotel till around ten because it's like a forty-minute drive from the airport. So it's two twenty-nine local time right now in the afternoon. So I haven't been here quite uh, twenty-four hours, but I have been here long enough to, to, to you know, to walk around a bit. I went and got breakfast on the beach this morning. Um, I did see um, the coaches this afternoon. They actually had a press conference at my hotel where all eight coaches, um, were there. And so it's beautiful. Just like everybody says, like you, you know, besides it uh, being uh, a million miles away and taken forever to, to get here from the continental United States, you just walk outside. You don't know why you don't live here. I mean, it's just <laughs> beautiful. I mean, it's 75 degrees. Um, if there's humidity, I don't feel it. You know, it's certainly ain't North Mississippi humil- hu- humidity, and uh, there's a nice breeze coming off the ocean. It's, um, it's beautiful. There are worse places to spend a, a week in, in November. Um, as for tickets to Maui, I will say that for whatever it's worth, I did have an Iowa State fan tweet me earlier today who is here, and he was like, GP, you got to help me with tickets. <laughs> and I was like, I, same thing. Like, I don't have tickets, but the tickets are crazy expensive. Because this gym in Maui, it's like a high school gym. And, um, and Duke's here with Zion. And so to to even get in the building, I didn't see any ticket for any game less than $400. Jeez. Any ticket for any game. And then for Duke's game, the only ticket I saw there were two available $2000 each. So wow. it, it's it's tough to get in the building for this thing, but to your point, and then we'll move on about people asking you for tickets all the time because of your what your job is. I get it. I get it once a week. And it'll just be like from um a a cousin that i don't really talk to that often or one of my wife's friends it's never really it's never my close friends because they know not to bother me with that it's just people i've sort of know on the periphery or barely know at all and it'll be like um hey uh just just thought i'd ask um you know you got need to you know um so I, i i realized the lakers are coming to town uh this lebron's gonna be at fedex forum you got tickets for you you know how i could get tickets and I say yes, yeah, SeatGeek. Se- I would always check SeatGeek. Promo code College BB. Yeah, promo code College BB. They all, they won't ever ask for tickets. Well, sometimes they do. But they, what they'll say is, "Hey, do you know where I could get tickets?" Because they want you to say, "Oh man, let me help you with that." And I always <laughs> just say, "Yes, yeah, SeatGeek's awesome. Um, get the app if you don't already have it." Millions of tickets in one place. That's right. Drives me crazy. Stop asking me for tickets. I'm not a ticket broker. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a basketball columnist and analyst. I'm not a ticket broker. I don't have, I don't have your tickets. So I'm, I'm glad you run into that too, because I was, I was frustrated. I thought it was only me.
1: Have, uh, on the note on Hawaii, well, I, I've got a, a friend. Actually, back in the day before CBS, I, I was, uh, in, you know, I was a sports editor of two uh, local newspapers. Did a lot, a lot of high school sports and. Uh, woman i worked with there she did the news beat and all that stuff she moved to hawaii like four years ago um and loves it there like loves it, it kind of like why didn't i why didn't i do this sooner and th- i feel like a lot of hawaii is populated with with people like that just kind of take the leap and then they do it and she's still out there she's 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 writing continuing her journalism career she absolutely loves it um so to your point like why don't i just live here uh, there are definitely people that do that and in fact my Aunt, um, obviously long before I knew her, she was one of those people. She, since moved back to the states, but she, uh, she did that in her younger years. So I can, I can see why that's the case. Although I've not been to Hawaii, Hawaii. My question for you was, is this what your first, second time there before? And have you ever been to this particular island? I've never been to Hawaii. Okay, so this is the first time. So there you this go. And doesn't it feel... All right, so the other thing, before we get to hoops, here's what's amazing to me, is, like, you're in the middle... Like, you are in the middle of all of the middle of the middle of the ocean. Like, you, it. I don't know how many more places on Earth are more remote than where you are at, and so it's absolutely paradise. So it's got to feel pretty cool, and at the same time, you do have civilization around you. But, my God, like, you are... It's amazing to me that we are talking to each other considering where you are on this planet right now.
0: No, right, I, I... I don't know exactly the geography, but I I, I was going to say I think I'm closer to Japan than I am, uh, uh, the, you know, California. I don't actually know if that's true. Feels like it could be true. <laughs> um. But either way, like, yeah, it's a, it takes a while to get out of here. For me, it was four hours Memphis to L.A., roughly four hours, and then like roughly six hours L.A. to Honolulu. And then Honolulu to Maui is like 40 minutes. It's just you go up and you go down. But still, you have to make that flight. There was no way – on Delta at least, um, to, to get – there was no way on Delta to get to Maui any more quickly than I did it, and I had to go Memphis, L.A., L.A., Honolulu, Honolulu, uh, Maui. But I got here. I watched uh, – you know, you, you you always got things to do. I watched a Whitney Houston documentary that was pretty good. I listened to an entire Aaron Hernandez podcast. That was interesting. And uh, and then I got some writing done, and uh, and now I'm here. Um, you mentioned you, there are people who do that. My driver last night from the airport to the um, – uh uh resort you know she was like what are you here for the basketball thing and I said of course and uh and I said uh I said something along the lines of hey, did you grow up here and she said no 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 I'm from Slovakia yeah and I said okay perhaps I should have recognized that in your voice <laughs> and then, um uh, I said so what's your story how did you end up here and she said I came here 11 years ago for vacation and never left so it's like the same thing yeah. like pe- there are people I could never do this because I'm like You know, I still live in the same place. Can you do Memphis radio
1: from Hawaii? Yeah, that's the question. (laughs) (laughs) But, um,
0: I, yeah, but, like, I couldn't do it, but, like, clearly people could, and I understand why they do. If you've got whatever, if you've got what it takes from a personality perspective to, like, just say, you know what, this place, like, I like the way this place makes me feel. It's beautiful. I'm going to live here, um, and if it means I'm going to live here and, uh you know leave everything in my past behind and then that's fine with me like i couldn't do that but some people can and she could and she seemed happy um she's nice enough so whatever i got a fact anyway. check
1: i got a fact check for you. hold on so it is not closer to japan than the us hawaii is 2000 this is from hawaii state facts 50states.com so 2390 to california 2390 miles to cali and it's 3850 so that's a good 1500 miles closer to you, the United States, that Hawaii is versus Japan, but I love the fact that you thought it was otherwise. And then I'm just going to go a quick I – w- I want you to guess trivia time here, Parrish, and then we'll get into Villanova. And I'm loving the Hawaii theme start here. Um, w- closest date without – year without going over, Price's Right rules. When, what year did Hawaii become a United States state? When oh, did it enter the Union? Uh, so, come on, just, just try – just <laughs> take a guess. Take a guess. <laughs> I, I hate stuff like
0: this because it's the type of thing – that it just makes you sound dumb because it's <laughs> no one's going to gonna
1: think you're any dumber just take a guess
0: it's the type of thing that people will go my god how do you not know that where where did you go to school but the truth <laughs> is i went to school somewhere where we never discussed when hawaii became a state that's the truth i have i honestly have no idea
1: just uh, just venture i guess what year did
0: hawaii become a state how about um 1935.
1: Not bad. 1959. It was the final state to enter the union. That wasn't so terrible. That that was a relatively safe guess. If you had said like 1862, then we would have had an issue.
0: I was scared. What I was scared of was I was going to say a year that was even after Pearl Harbor, and then it was just going to be like, Dude, <laughs> yeah. <what's wrong?" laughs>
1: exact, exactly. 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 Um, it, uh, it technically came one after Pearl Harbor, but that's a that's a that's a good point. Okay. Anyway, so Villanova, they're out of your yeah, rankings. They're, they're two and we, two. Let's get into it here.
0: Yeah, they're 2-2. Two two. They are out of the top 25-1. and one. You might remember that on the last podcast, we discussed Michigan kicking the crap out of Villanova at Villanova. And one of the things you said, Norlander, hmm. is that you thought the results said more about Michigan than it did about Villanova. I respectfully disagreed and said I thought it was said more about Villanova than it did about Michigan. Then on Saturday, Furman went to Villanova and won in OT. So shouts to the Furman Paladins. Shouts to 35-year-old coach Bob Ritchie off to a 5-0 start this season with wins at Villanova and at Loyola Chicago. And like I said, now the reigning national champs, they're 2-2-2. Two Home losses to Michigan and Furman. Norlander, are you ready to reconsider your position on Jay Wright's Villanova Wildcats?
1: I don't know. Maybe, Parrish, but how about this? Providence isn't a terrible team, and Michigan held Providence on Sunday to 47 points. Another really, really good defensive performance. And Michigan ranks as the top defensive team in America right now. So I still think it was... I, obviously Villanova's got issues. We're going to get into that, but I, let's just tag this. Michigan's 5-0 and uh, heading into this week. will have a huge bump in the polls, no doubt about it, and defensively what they did against Villanova was not a fluke, so I still think it was more about us underestimating the Wolverines and how much better that team is than we thought, but make no mistake about it, Villanova dropping this game was, and I watched, I watched basically all the second half and then into overtime. Um, Furman was going to be good within its own conference, but it obviously to start like this was beyond anyone's expectations, no doubt about it. It was considered number two in the SoCon 2. My Wofford Terriers, man. Don't go on the road and play them, okay, unless you're Carolina because then you'll win. Um, but listen, Bob Ritchie's team played fantastic. They've been in the midst of... Parrish, they might be in the midst of like the greatest eight-day stretch of any team this season and I say that because they win at Loyola Chicago one final four team not only did they do it but it, I wrote a I wrote a little thing on .com, and you can go check it out if you haven't already it includes a gif uh clay mounts their sophomore forward he basically flushes home a facial dunk in the closing seconds to beat Loyola Chicago so that you almost never see that kind of ending in a game to begin with you not only win it but you win it on a dunk, just about as time is about to expire, so they get that win. They beat Gardner Webb in overtime. Uh, whatever they 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 just. They get out of there at home. Then against North Greenville, which we talked about on the previous podcast with Jordan Lyons hitting 15 three-pointers in one game. That ties the NCAA record. They win by 30. And then they go and beat Villanova in overtime at Villanova. They're 5-0. Granted, two of those games are against non-Division 1 opponents, so it goes. And then a crazy stat. Furman had not won an overtime game since 2011. And the one before that that they most recently won overtime was 2007. So they went 7 to 2011 winning back-to-back overtimes. And then they do it two times in a five-day span. Kind of nuts. Shouts to Bob Ritchie. Shouts to the Paladins. Haven't made the NCAA tournament since 1980. They could have a shot um, between them and Wofford. The SoCon should be fun. For Villanova, as I wrote, it is an absolute... Time for emergency evaluation on what you have and what you don't have here. Um, to lose at Michigan at home, okay, understandable. But to get held to 46 points, no, really bizarre. To let Furman even push back at you late because Villanova had gone on like a seven-nothing run near the end of regulation. It should have absolutely won. It did not, and then Furman looked much, much better in overtime. Uh, defensively, Villanova. It just it, it was it was stark to me how how absent-minded they were at times. And then the three-point shooting suffered yet again. Um, they shot 32% against Furman after shooting, I think 20% against Michigan. So the three-point shooting, parish is a serious, serious issue. And even surprising to see, like, Phil Booth, who had a nice three that he hit late. He also had a, a bad one that he took. Uh, Pascal wasn't as good as he should have been. And then, yes, just I'll close it with this, and it's a coda to what you said, Parrish, on the Friday pod. Um the freshman, something's got to get figured out in a hurry here. Javon Quinterly has not played more than 18 minutes in a game yet this season. He did not log one minute in this game. And I don't know if that was purely a coach's decision from a scouting standpoint or if there's just something that's unsaid that warranted him being benched for the entire game. We don't know. But even despite all that, Sadiq Bay. Brandon Slater, just not quite good enough. And one more side thing. This was, isn't really with the game. Dylan Painter. I mentioned that Villanova almost has no out transfers. The next day, they lose sophomore Dylan Painter, he has gone already. Um, so, yeah, it, it clearly seems like that locker room's got some stuff to work out. And you, rightfully so in my opinion, have Villanova booted from your top 25-1. and one.
0: Yeah, it is. Um, and I appreciate you mentioning it. Exactly what I said on Friday, which is, you know, to the extent people were high on Villanova in the preseason, it was based on you bring back two starters. Yeah, you lose four NBA players, but you bring back two starters and you enroll a top 10 recruiting class with three top 55 guys. Um, but the, the the top 55 guys, they ain't doing nothing. I mean, Javon Quint, like you said, he's averaging 3.3 points right now and didn't play against Furman. He was ranked 29th in the class of 2018. The guy, like, ranked 27th or 28th right around him, Moses Brown at UCLA, is, like, averaging I don't remember what it was, but like 23, 14, and four blocks. Yeah, And Brian Quinterly's doing nothing. So then there's Cole Swider. He was ranked 44th class in 2018. He's ca- he's averaging 2.8 points in 11.5 minutes per game. And then there's Brandon Slater, who was ranked 53rd class in 2018. He's averaging 0.7 points, and he didn't get off the bench against Farman. You mentioned Sadiq Bay. He was the lowest-rated prospect in the a group, I think a sub-100 guy, and he's the only one giving them any. And so when you lose four NBA guys, um, when you lose four NBA guys and you get nothing from your best three prospects and the only guy in your recruiting class contributing is a sub 100 player, you got problems. And so, you know, Villanova's got problems right now. And next up for them is the Advocare Invitational, which starts on Thursday. They get Canisius in the opening game. But then on Friday, they either get Oklahoma State or Memphis, and then if they make it to the title game, they get either Florida State or LSU on Sunday. So they got to figure some things out because on paper right now, they're definitely not as good as Florida State and probably not as good as LSU. And Charleston, which is also in this event, 3-0 and uh, uh, with a win over Rhode Island. Memphis is 2-1 and with a win over Yale. Oklahoma State's a top 65 Kimpom team. So this, all those teams are in this event. So yeah. this could get tricky for Villanova if it's
1: not careful. It will be tricky, and that's obviously – it's going to be a, a one of the teams we really keep an eye on, see how they respond and how well they respond. Um, nuts to me is uh, how accustomed we became to Villanova being so dominant. And I still – I still think this team's going to win the Big East. Now, if they really have a cratering here, Parrish, over the next week, we can reassess and reevaluate. I, st- I still like their personnel more than any team in the Big East at this point, but they did not take their first lo- or their second loss on average across the past five seasons until the 18th game in their schedule, which is about mid-January. Here we are not even to Thanksgiving, and they've taken their second loss. So it also is just a shock to the senses in that we are not used to seeing Villanova like this. It's a little bit, a little bit, like last year or with Arizona, when it dropped three in the Bahamas, and at that time it was, you'd remember better than I, Parrish, because they fell out of the polls altogether, and that was borderline precedent sending. They might have been top five. Villanova, not quite that. They're out of your polls I think they'll be out of Monday's AP poll, and if they do, it, w- it would be a little bit of an echo of what we saw with Zona last November in 2017.
0: Another school that was ranked pretty highly in the preseason that's already got two losses is Syracuse. They lost two games at the Garden uh, last week. Um, they lose to UConn first, and then on Friday to an Oregon team that had lost to Iowa. So now they're 2-2. Two and two. They're also out of my top 25 and one. Um You worried about Syracuse? I'll tell you, the one thing I said about them in the preseason, because I had them lower than most, and I actually thought I might have incorrectly had them lower than most, but I did have them lower than most. And one of the things I pointed out is, like, yeah, they're bringing back, I think it was their top six guys or something like that, but it wasn't the top six guys from how far did they go in the tournament last year? Sweet 16. Yeah, okay. So that's what Syracuse fans would always say. We got top six guys back from a Sweet 16 team, and you got us in the 20s? And I'm like, you got the top six guys back from a team that was, you know, a borderline top 40 team last year, because they finished 41st at Kempa. They weren't one of the 16 best teams in the country. They were one of the 16 last teams to still be playing. And so I'm always aware of that, that I, it's honestly the same thing I think happened to Loyola Chicago. You know, Loyola Chicago was, was a borderline top 30 team at the end of the season. They weren't really one of the four best teams, but people... Uh, that voted for them in the preseason AP poll were like, well, they're bringing some good pieces back from a Final fourteen. they got to be good. And eh, they're bringing some good pieces. They're bringing three of the top six back from a borderline top 30 team. They could be good, but they might not. And I, I do think they're going to be good, but I don't think they're top 25. And with Syracuse, we might find out that the same thing. Maybe bringing back the type six guys from a top 40 team doesn't actually make you a top 15 team.
1: Quite possibly that's it, Parrish. Fran Fraschella was on the call for this game. And he laid out a fairly damning evaluation of O'Shea Brissett, which I agreed with the second he said it. He said, Brissett is playing for the NBA and the scouts in the building and not for Jim Beheim and Syracuse. He's missed 17 of his 21 three-pointers. He has not looked this season like the player he was last season as a freshman. In fact, I think Brissett, at his best, is better than Tyus Battle um, and more talented. Syracuse just isn't getting enough from them. Jalen Carey is a freshman. He's been promising overall. Jalen Carey's played relatively well. It's been nice to see, but Syracuse was. It wasn't just Bobo who was who was fun to watch, and and by the way, he he is very much. Um, easing into that expectation and role of of Bow being just a different kind of big man, can handle the ball, pass, shoot. Um, we'll have plenty of opportunities this season t- to get to him, and I know that we will, but just a quick note on him and Oregon. Like, Oregon needed that win more than Syracuse. The Pac-12 isn't as good as the ACC, and if Oregon had finished this 0-2 and gone home, uh, it would have just put the Pac-12 in that program in, in a little bit of a tougher position. Syracuse can't pick up big wins. Bow Bow looked nice. But Syracuse overall, Parrish, um, defensively the zone – kind of let him down. Um, I don't think this team is as deep, again, as Beheim wants it to be. So, yes, it's 2-2. Two and two. Nova's the other notable 2-2 two and two team coming out of this weekend. And if you're Syracuse and you're, and you're the fan base, obviously you're, you're let down in a major way because you were thinking that you'd probably be able to get out of there winning both. You would have thought the chances of you losing both were particularly low. But... If you take that first loss and the unexpected happens where Iowa beats Oregon now, okay, you're suddenly going up against a fellow-ranked team. Couldn't handle it there, so we'll see what happens. Last note on Syracuse is this. They get to rebound and get well at home against Colgate, the annual <laughs> the annual Colgate-Syracuse game. I think they've played each other literally every single season of, uh, of Bayham's coaching tenure, which makes sense because of the geography. Then they go to Ohio State, uh, Paris, at the end of November. And then everything else is home games in in non-league play. So will the Georgetown win actually age well? Will you beat Buffalo at home? You probably will, but as Syracuse fans know, they lost last season at home to a St. Bonaventure team that maybe might not have even been quite as good as this year's Buffalo team. So Syracuse will be favored to win that game. But if you don't beat Ohio State on the road and you drop either home to Georgetown, home to Buffalo, or home to Northeastern, who I think will have a resume probably that is borderline get in as an at-large. There are just three decent enough teams that can beat Syracuse GP at the Dome. If they lose one of those and they don't get Ohio State, they're going to have to make up so much ground in the ACC because, as usual, just Beheim. this is the way that he schedules, um, it can be feast or famine, and losing both those games in New York is I think is going to have uh, relatively significant long-term ramifications.
0: I never uh, have a real problem with how ACC coaches schedule because y- y- you're always going to get so many opportunities in your league. Like, you can make you can make a resume from January through March. You cannot do anything or almost do nothing uh, in November, December, and still make a resume in January, February, and March. And like, like um, we've pointed out before, um, you know, Jim, like Mike Szeszewski, like, they're, they're Hall of Fame guys who have been at places for a bazillion years. Um, their, their scheduling philosophy clearly has not hurt them in any tangible way. So uh, so whatever. I still think Syracuse would be fine, but obviously not off to a great start. There was an interesting game on Sunday afternoon, Indiana at Arkansas. True road game, which we love, uh, on campus, which we love. Uh, but what an insane ending this was. And by insane, I mean stupid. So the game's tied 72-72. Indiana has the ball. Now, Indiana had trailed for much of the – the second half, but then, like, Romeo would make a shot, and somehow they just end up in the lead, and then um, then they end up behind. It was back and forth, back and forth late. But uh, final seconds, maybe 20 seconds left, Indiana's got the ball. It's tied 70 t- 72-72. So it's one of those late-game situations. You're going to, you know, put the ball in your playmaker's hand. In this case, it was Rob uh, Finnessy the freshman point guard. And, you know, you're going to wait to a certain point on the clock. And then you're going to go try to make a play or create an opportunity for somebody else. And um, you, you know, this shot will go in and you'll win. You'll get a quick put, or it won't. You'll get a quick put back and you'll win. Or none of that stuff happens. And then you're going to overtime. Instead, for some reason, fantasy, like just goes early. He just goes too early. And then he can't get the layup. Then DeRon Davis misses a little putback. I mean, it's right on the rim. Hmm. I don't know how he missed, but he misses it. Then Arkansas's Mason Jones gets the rebound. And then Deron Davis fouls him with 2.5 seconds left, like 80 feet from the basket, like at the other free throw line. Like you could have just like put your hands behind your back and not touch him. He's got to launch it from the other free throw line. It'll bounce somewhere inside the three-point arc on the other end, and you just go to overtime. Instead, Davis fouls him. So now Mason Jones um, is going to the free throw line, and he makes the first. Misses the second on purpose. Indiana only has a desperation shot at the buzzer. It's not even close. Game over. Arkansas wins 73-72. Bud Walton Arena goes nuts. Just a crazy dumb ending. And I guess, you know, in closing time, if you've got two freshmen out there playing prominent roles, one your point guard, one your shooting guard, I guess these types of things can happen. But, ugh. I mean, I I know that one's eating Arch up because I don't know that it turned a loss. I, I don't know that it turned a win into a loss because at that point, uh, the best-case scenario is you're going to overtime on the road. Let's just see what happens. But it did prevent them from having an opportunity to win in overtime. Just uh, I, whatever the nicest way to say dumb dumb decisions, whatever that nice way is, uh, that's the way I'm trying to say
1: that's it. That's the kind of stuff where, you know it, – it, there are, so, there are so many – coaches will tell you, like, there's there's a lot of rewarding things, but there are so many just little things that just, like, cause them to lose their hair, make their hair go gray, stress them out. Just, like, a player making a, just a brain fart decision like that, costing you a new game on the road, which would have been good for – and, by the way, like, Indiana's got opportunities still um away from home, but both of these teams, they play this game because they are not in – a November uh, tournament format. They don't play in any of those. So they, they, get, a, they get a game and a home-and-home. And, home, and it was smart of both of them to schedule this, frankly. So for Arkansas, it's particularly valuable. It was their third game of the season. They get to 2-1. and one. They had dropped. Remember, they played that Friday night against Texas at Fort Bragg, I think it was. Um... Anyway, they, they lost a really close one that they should have had against Texas. They dropped it in OT, so they get one here to balance it out. Arkansas, to me, is one of the biggest mysteries in terms of what they will be this season. I just don't know. I, I'm not convinced they're going to make the tournament. Not convinced otherwise. I do know Daniel Gafford is an awesome player in a traditional center. Uh, they use him in really good ways. Very talented guy. He is almost certainly gone after the season. I think he'd be dumb not to leave barring an absolute uh, unfortunate Thinkable, unpredictable, unforeseen drop in production and, frankly, just losing his ability to play a la the Monstars from Space Jam. So, good win for Arkansas. Indiana still is going to be okay. I think that's going to be a tournament team. But, yeah, you know what, Paris, you have it. Like, you have a chance. You got a good shot on the road, and then you lose it like this. It's going to eat it. Uh, it's going to eat it, the players particularly, but the coaching staff, no doubt, for for the days to come.
0: Daniel Gafford, by the way, was 12 of 15 from the field, 27 points, 12 rebounds. And for anybody who watched the game, like, you know, like they could do nothing with him. Like, every time he went off the court, that's when Indiana would make a run. Then he'd come back on the court, and then Arkansas would close it up. I mean, he was awesome. And a lot of people thought he should have gone last year because he might have been, if not probably would have been, a lottery pick last year. Yeah, I can't see him doing a junior year of college. Um, uh, and that, that is a nice win for, for Arkansas. And it, it is also a win for Arkansas that drops Indiana. Out of the top 25 and one that'll be updated Monday morning, and the team that replaced them—you mentioned it, Texas—because Texas is now 4-0 with a win over the Arkansas team that just beat um, Indiana. So, and I think they're top 30 at Ken Palm, so it's not outlandish. It, it doesn't fly in the face of the computer. So, uh, Texas. Is now 26 in the top 25 and one. Indiana will be out tomorrow morning. Um, on one of the podcasts last week, I think it was Friday's, and I just want to touch on this uh, very briefly because I thought it was interesting. We discussed uh, the amount of three-pointers being taken and noted that it was up and that it was also a sign of the times. It's just the way basketball is played now. So I went back and looked and I used Ken Palm and Ken Palm only goes back to the 2001-2002 season, but it's the easiest place to get this kind of information. And here's what I found. In 2002... There were only 27 teams that used at least 40% of their field goal attempts on three pointers. So at least 40% of the shots you take come from beyond the arc. Only 27 teams qualified for that in 2002. By 2008, it was up to 51 teams. Last season, it was 103. And right now, 151 teams this season are using at least 40% of their field goal attempts from beyond the arc. And so it has drastically increased. Um, In the past decade, it's gone up, uh, what would that be? Uh, It's gone up by 100 schools. And um, in the past year, and obviously we're still early, but last season only 103 teams, and I use quotation marks around the word only, only 103 teams used at least 40% of their field goal attempts from beyond the arc, and right now through Last night's games, the number is one fifty one. So this is just, yeah, again, sign of the times. This is the way basketball's played, and it should be. I, I hope fans understand when you see and it a, a a number of three pointers taken by your favorite team, and it seems excessive. It might be, but it probably isn't relative to the way the sport's being played right now. If that makes sense.
1: Yeah, Parrish, I thought you were going to say it was more than 200. So your number is, is actually lower than I expected, but it will continue to creep that way if the line stays at its current distance. Now, the percentage on, on three-point shots has, has gotten better over over the you know past decade or so. Um, I, I wonder if we're about to hit about a plateau here with the current distance or if it can continue to creep up. I would like to see the college line be the FIBA international line personally um, because I just think that the three-point line for the for the talent of shooter we have in modern college basketball and basically modern basketball prospects 15, 16, 17 years old that are getting ready to play the college game, I think having the international line is better. I, I, I just do, and I think it is an inevitability. Now, whether that happens two years, four years, six years from now, I do think they eventually push it out. What about you are you in favor of of creeping it out again because remember it was what seven eight years ago that they pushed it and i, I think they will push it again do you agree it, should they uh should they bump it out another safe foot or so absolutely
0: because here's here's i believe- here's I, I believe this is true um although keep in mind I was wrong about where Hawaii is relative to Japan and California of course so i I could be making this up but I believe there's been a study shown uh done that shows if you go back to the FIBA line, the percentages don't really change. The same, roughly, the same number of threes will be taken, and roughly the same number will be made. That does not dec- that. De- it's not really a more difficult shot for a college player. It doesn't change the percentages in any noticeable way. But what it does do is create more space, mm-hmm. and with more space, it's a better game. And so that, to me, that's the way you do it. You don't. Some people will argue you move it back to get people to take fewer three-pointers. That will not happen. If you move back, it won't get people to take fewer three-pointers. And it won't get people to make fewer either. But it will create more space. And basketball is a better game when it's played with space.
1: I agree. Um, I absolutely agree. And I think that the mindset of coaches, even uh, Hall of Fame ones and the younger guys coming up through the ranks, the guys that will be head coaches, say, three, five years from now, Parrish. Uh, this will be. This will happen. This will be a push. It's just a matter of when the rules committee opts to do that. And more space. Uh, a call, uh, any kind of basketball game that moves with pace and space. It's it's become a cliche, but it is damn fun. When you're watching a basketball game and the teams are able to move freely up and down the floor, utilize passing lanes through bounce passes, chest passes, or whatever pump fakes, and just use the space to see the ball move. It's gorgeous. It's it's frankly one of the one of the very best reasons why I love to watch basketball is when you can really move like that. So yeah, Let's, let's creep the line out, um, hopefully sooner than later, but we'll wait and see. And, yes, this will, this will continue to be a thing. Um, and, frankly, I don't see why anyone wouldn't want it to be a thing. Adding, having a three-pointer as a threat um, it makes college basketball and basketball all the better. And, uh, and so, yeah, we wait and see.
0: So the Maui Invitational, like we said, it does start on Monday. Bright and early here in Hawaii, by the way. First game tips at 9.30 local time. That's 2.30 Eastern, but 9.30 local time. It's Auburn-Xavier. That'll be followed by Duke-San Diego State at 5 p.m. Eastern. Then it's Arizona-Iowa State at 9 p.m. Eastern. Then it's Gonzaga, Illinois at 11.30 Eastern. Most folks are expecting and wanting a Duke-Gonzaga title game. Is that what you expect, Norlander? Are we going to get number one Duke against number two Gonzaga on uh, Wednesday here in Maui?
1: Well, when this field was announced, the bracket specifically, not the field, but the bracket matchups over the summer, um, th- our awesome editor, Marcus Nelson, said, hey, can you just get right up on the brackets and give me some predictions for fun? And I was like, yeah, sure. And it's like, you know, at the time, I was like, you know what? I'm not feeling the Duke hype. I'm going to get spicy here. I'm going to have Auburn over Duke. I can't. I think Auburn against Duke can be really good. I I truly believe that, but I can't. I can't go there. I'm uh, as boring as it is. um, I want to see Duke versus Gonzaga, and I think that we will see Duke versus Gonzaga. I'll also say this. um, And we should make. Let's just you know. Let's make predictions for each of these things and have a little bit of fun here as we preview the tournament you're going to be at. Um, I think Duke's day-by-day-by-day best possible matchup is actually the best thing for Duke. Like, I don't think there's a better team that they could face to help them and actually give them a good push than San Diego State, which has improved this year, which has an NBA pick, potentially a first-round pick, and Jalen McDaniels on his team and is a good defensive team. I think Duke's going to win, but I actually think that SDSU can chin up and you'll get a pretty interesting tilt there at least for 20 minutes. And then if Auburn beats Xavier... Duke versus Auburn. Auburn's got size, really good rebound team, rebounding team. A uh, couple NBA guys on that on that roster. Good guard play, good athleticism. I think that's a fantastic matchup. And then Gonzaga, parrish Duke has looked so good. Uh, Gonzaga is built to be able to beat Duke. They absolutely can. I'd be curious. I I'd venture if Duke and Gonzaga get to the final, and they both win their games, let's just say by covering the spread but not like doing it ridiculously like Duke, like beating the spread by like 20 points or whatever. I'd venture that that would be Duke five and a half, maybe four and a half. That'd be my guess. I'd be shocked if it was above six. I'd be quite shocked actually. Um, and maybe it'd be as low as say two and a half there. Gonzaga can beat Duke overall, but I'll say, uh, I'll say they will meet. I think Auburn's going to beat Xavier. Um, the biggest toss up of the first day is Zona, Iowa state. <sighs> I'll say Iowa State in that one, Parrish. I I, I, I like what Iowa State has personnel-wise, but I'm, I'm intrigued to see what Arizona can do. And what makes Maui uh, – there are so many things, Parrish, that make Maui so much fun. But this is so big to team resumes. You You can't afford to be in that 7-8 game on the last day having lost one, two, and then you lose a third time. You can pick up seriously huge wins. And even if you play tight against a team and lose – who knows? It can benefit you long term. So I think this is a—it's uh, going to be a great thing for you to be at. Um, I, personally, I, I'm no doubt envious of the fact you get to cover this because this has the potential to be the best uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday in Maui history if the Stars show up like they should and the games are as good as they should and we get Duke final against Gonzaga on Wednesday. That's my Maui spiel. Now you're there. Floor is yours, man. Gab away.
0: Well, I want to start um, on what I think will be the most competitive game on Monday. It's not the most high profile because it's a game between two unranked teams. But Arizona-Iowa State, I, I think, will be the most competitive. Now, Iowa State's 3-0. and They're 26th at Ken Palm. They've got a 17-point win over Missouri. And Mario Shayok, who is the Virginia transfer, is has been really good so far this season. He's averaging a team-high 20 points and five rebounds. The issue with Iowa State is they don't have their players. Lindell Wigginson is out. Um until he said early December he's got a foot issue. Yeah. And then they don't have Lard, they don't have Tally, they don't have Solomon Young. Now, they beat Missouri by 17 without all them dudes, but they still do not have all them dudes. And I think that closes the gap a little bit between them and Arizona. But I will, like you, still go with Iowa State uh, in that game. Arizona will be back very soon, but they're in a rebuild because um, I think they lost, what was it, their top – Five yeah, guys, all starters. Yeah, they lost all their starters, and then the 2018 recruiting class still was good, but it was a sub twenty class in a for a program that's been getting like top threes, top fours, top fives, and that takes a toll. When you lose five starters and you can't replenish the way you're used to doing, um, it takes a toll. Now they they do they got a, a monster class coming in 2019, which shows you that whole FBI stuff. Like it ain't gonna hurt you for too long. Uh, evidence being that USC's got what a top two class, maybe the number one class in 2019. Arizona's right there with them. Auburn's in the top ten right now, like whatever. But um, it, did, it did affect this Arizona team, and so I'll, I'll take Iowa State there. And then on that same side of the bracket, I don't see why Gonzaga should have any problem with Illinois. You know, if Georgetown can go there and win. Um, and I know Illinois was without Trent Frazier, but still, if, if, if Georgetown can go to Illinois and win, I don't know why Gonzaga can't handle them on a neutral. So I'll go Gonzaga, Iowa State advancing out of the bottom part of the bracket. Um, obviously, I'm taking Auburn over Xavier. Auburn's already got a 22-point win over Washington, and that was a top-25 team at the time, regardless of whether it's actually a top-25 team. Uh, I'll take Auburn. And then Duke-San Diego State should should be interesting. You know, because like you said, San Diego State's got at least one pro prospect. Duke's got, I don't know, four or five and three in the top five. So they should be able to overwhelm them. But, but still, that's the game. I mean, at this point, Duke and Zion is like the story in college basketball. So uh, I don't know what the best game going to be tomorrow. I don't know what the best story is. I know that I'm writing about Duke um coming off of, of that game no matter what happens. So I'll go Duke to advance there and Auburn to advance over to Xavier. So now we got semifinals set for, for Tuesday. Auburn Duke and eras and, and Iowa State Gonzaga. Um I think you're you're not like I understand why you came close to picking Auburn. And I actually wrote in the preview that's posted right now CBS Like Duke looks unbeatable right now. They've got a thirty four point win over Kentucky on a neutral. They're winning their games by um, an average of 31.3 points. They're ranked number one everywhere. AP poll, top 25-1, and one, Ken Palm. Um, I, I've said it before, I because I don't know if you've been getting this going on radio shows and stuff, but people are like, so do you think Duke's going undefeated? Uh, no, I don't think Duke's going oh, undefeated. Man. I think Duke is incredibly talented. And I think Duke's about to become the first team ever – to put three players in the top five of the same draft. And I think Duke should be the favorite to win the national championship. But I don't think Duke's going undefeated. I do not think they are as overwhelming as they looked against Kentucky in the Champions Classic. And so it's not crazy to think Auburn can beat them. I don't think Auburn will. I'm going to pick Duke to get past them. But if Auburn's playing in the championship game on Wednesday and Duke is, is in a third-place game, that will not be the craziest thing it probably won't be the craziest thing that happens in college basketball this week. I, I'll just put it that way. So I'll take Duke, but Auburn is a, a formidable opponent. I'm really looking good, uh, looking forward to that matchup, assuming that that matchup materializes. And then um, Gonzaga, Iowa State. I'll just take Gonzaga there. Uh, Gonzaga is shorthanded too. Killian Tilly is out till I, I believe after Christmas. Is, is the is the projection? Um, but they've still got enough pieces, I think, to get past an Iowa State team that would be uh, also shorthanded and even more shorthanded. And if it's not Iowa State and it's Arizona, then I just think Gonzaga's got a better roster. They're a better team than Arizona. So either way, I get to a place where – how about this? I think it's more likely Gonzaga's in the championship game than I do Duke's in the championship game, mm. just because I think Duke's at more risk against yes. Auburn than than – Gonzaga is at risk against anybody. But still, I got Duke-Gonzaga in the championship game, and then I'll go, I don't know, 81. Let's see what I put in the preview. 81-77 Duke. I think it'll be a competitive game. And the Blue Devils will win. That would give them their sixth Maui Invitational title. Six. They've got five right now. Do you know Duke's never lost in Maui?
1: I do know that because it's just one of the, the last time they played in it, there was a whole – I remember watching whenever what year, whatever year that was – them just making a big deal about the fact that like they've just they've owned this tournament and they have the best winning percentage of any program that's played in it more than once.
0: Yeah, I mean, and the winning percentage is like 100. <laughs> they've never. Well, it's, they've, it's a
1: thousand, but yes, a thousand, a thousand. You know what I mean? I know you what know you mean. I you mean that Hawaii is closer to Japan than it is United States? How about
0: this? I start the podcast by by being hesitant to answer your geography question because I don't want to sound stupid, and then I end it by making myself sound idiotic. By, and I didn't even have to. I could have just let you say they had the best winning percentage ever, and just leave it at that.
1: It's okay, man. You go enjoy the rest of of your Sunday. Uh, I'm gonna basically picture you walking around the set of. Uh, uh, oh man, what's that awesome movie with uh, with um, Kristen Bell and the guy from How I Met Your Mother? Why am I blanking on this? It's Saving
0: Sarah Marshall. Yes, saving. Love Sarah. them.
1: That that is a fantastic. Fantastic movie. Maybe the best rom com ever. I'm not even a huge rom com guy. Great, great movie. So I'm just gonna picture you basically being like the the Jonah Hill of that, except he actually like works at a, at a restaurant and you don't, but that's I'm just gonna <laughs> picture you meandering around Hawaii you don't, know,
0: a- you don't know what I'm actually about to do? What? Um it's uh it's it's three twelve here now. And I was going back and forth with one of our editors, Randy Brickley, earlier today because he is involved with CBS Sports HQ, and I'm doing a bunch of CBS Sports HQ stuff tomorrow. They've sent, they've hired a cameraman out here. Like I'm doing stand ups from, right. you know, from the beach and all sorts of stuff. And so Randy said, uh, I didn't really, I didn't, know, I didn't know that they were sending a cameraman. I had heard that they might, then I never heard anything else about it, and then I just sort of forgot about it. And I decided to reach out, and they were like, "Yes, we're sending a cameraman for sure." I was like, "Okay," and then I thought, I didn't really bring appropriate stuff to be on camera like usually we wear jackets and coats I mean jackets and uh, collared shirts maybe even a tie you don't really want to dress like that in Hawaii so I didn't even bring clothes like that so Randy told me if you want to go expense some Hawaiian shirts <laughs> go expense some Hawaiian shirts so I'm about to go shopping for Hawaiian shirts
1: oh my gosh please tweet <laughs> photos of what you wind up getting and make one of the please make one of them just absurdly ridiculous. Like just go go all the way, okay? I'm no, I, I, dude, that's all I needed to see in an email. If you want to go expense
0: Hawaiian shirts, you can go expense Hawaiian shirts. I'm like, all right, I'm gonna do a podcast, then I'm going Hawaiian shirt shopping. So I don't. Do you sound too like unsophisticated if you just walk down to the concierge and you say, "So look, I'm I'm trying to find some Hawaiian shirts. Is there a different name for them? You think like do they the just Hawaiian call? Do they just call them shirts there? They just call them shirts. Hey man, I'm looking for some shirts. Can you help me?
1: Uh, surely they know what you're talking about when you say so. Hawaiian shirts, right? Absolutely. Well, that's uh that's gonna be awesome, man. And then we will uh we'll podcast again Wednesday. This is the, right. This is honestly, here's
0: what I would say: um, Thursday, as opposed to Wednesday, because the time difference
1: puts it where.
0: I mean, honestly, I could late Wednesday. We're gonna the have
1: to late Wednesday because Thursday is Thanksgiving, and Thanksgiving, I have right? uh, yeah. I, I, have I forget.
0: A, I forget. Everybody else is living
1: their normal <laughs> life. Yeah. So, so how about uh, okay? Yeah, so, no,
0: late Wednesday because uh,
1: here's the thing: championship game is noon. Yeah. Um, noon local time. That's right. Because well, unless I'm mistaken, but don't they? Now nah, I guess is the championship. So they play other games after that, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes.
0: Third place game is at 6:30 local time. My oh game, the championship game, the one I care about is actually the second game on Wednesday. You get the you get um the fifth place sixth place game at 9:30 a.m. local. And then the championship game is played at noon local. So for people back in the states, the championship game, I think we're used to the Maui championship game being later. Yeah, it reason.
1: used it used to be, but they've changed that, I guess, huh?
0: I guess they have because I don't know why. But they, it's, yeah. it's five it tips at five Eastern. This is the a chance. new
1: change, Parrish, because last year I did PK eighty and I had like a six thirty flight out to Portland and I could not stay up to watch Mike Bray take his shirt off and celebrate with the lay in the <laughs> locker room because they rallied to beat Wichita State and the game ended so late that I didn't I, I didn't want to go on basically four hours of sleep. So this is a new change and, and probably one for the better. But regardless, I absolutely love that Wednesday uh, of Thanksgiving week, but particularly for Maui, championship game, the other stuff. That's really one of my favorite regular season days of the year in college troops.
0: So the game tips at 5 Eastern. It'll be over by 7 Eastern. I'll I'll obviously have work to do after that, but we will podcast late Wednesday night. Um, That'll be the plan. So if you're up late Wednesday night with us, it'll be there. And if not, uh, when you wake up for Thanksgiving, it'll be there. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Terry MF and Teagle, the legend. Shouts to Larnell. Please go subscribe to the Ion College Basketball Podcast via Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Rate it favorably. 5 stars with nice comments that's all i've ever asked from you please do it for me and like i said we'll be back late wednesday night till then hello.